I talked to a uh, couple last night that uh, used to go to church with us at Hartsville, uh, Wayne and Dot Robertson, and uh, they're now 80. And it, it, it was just good to catch up with, with what's going on in their life and how God is continuing to use them. And it was the reminder, is, as Dot said, I've never been a teacher before. I've never wanted to teach. I've never had the desire to teach. She goes, but God is using me right now at 80 years old to teach. And she goes, I teach 26 women. And she goes, Michael, it's not just 26 women. She goes, 20 of them are from California, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio. She's like, like we, we couldn't be any more different on a political point of view. And God has brought these women to my living room, and I am, I am teaching. And so when it comes to our faith journey, it doesn't come to an end. There's always a next step. And I love last week's topic, gaining grit. You know, running the race of life with perseverance. And the reality is, perseverance is a must if spiritual maturity is your ultimate goal within your relationship with God. You must have perseverance. You can be a Christian. You can have this really nice life. You can have a good little work ethic. You can have some good habits. You can have a nice life. And you cannot see much change spiritually with a lack of perseverance. That's just going to happen. You can, you can have all that. And you don't have to have perseverance. Our faith oftentimes plateaus. However... If you desire to become like Jesus in your faith journey, it takes perseverance. It takes endurance. And this is true throughout Scripture, right? Like, I mean, these aren't coming up on the screen behind me, but a couple of passages that we're familiar with, Romans 12, 1, you know, he tells us that by the mercies of God that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is an act of worship. Right? Jesus tells us that we are to die to self. Uh, James, 1 and, uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 say, Count it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must be present to have its full effect. That you will be perfect and complete. So without perseverance, without facing trials... We do not become the complete image of Jesus. I mean, that's just the reality. You can be a Christian. You can have a nice life. But unless you are willing to go through the trials and you're willing to do it with joy in your life, persevering through these things, you're, just not, you're not going to come out on the other side. God uses these moments to shape us. And so trials, sacrifices, th- th- these are words that we don't like to hear. Our, our culture certainly does not like to hear these words. As a matter of fact, we do anything and everything we can to lead a pretty comfortable life. That's why we need motivation. Motivation for you and I to persevere, to come out on the other side. What What is the motivation? From a... Um, from, from a moment of we're living day to day in the journey... It's the baby steps of us becoming like Jesus. It, it's living the best life it, it's that, that Jesus promises for us to have in this world, right? But what's the motivation? What's, the, what's on the other end of, 
of this life that is waiting for us. Our longing, I mean, I hope your longing is that you have a craving, a desire to be in the physical presence of God. Like, I mean, most people don't. We want to maximize the number of days. We want to live healthy and without as few issues as possible in life. And we want to stay on this rock as long as we possibly can. Death is something that scares most people. Uh, but my, my desire for you is that you crave, you want to be in the Lord's presence, to be in His dwelling place, which is, we know, heaven. Listen to Paul's words. These, these aren't going to come up on the screen either. But listen to Paul's words as he talks about all the hardships that he's faced. He goes, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet, but I focus on one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling me. So he's writing in this letter to the Philippians church, hey, I've done all these things. I've had all these hardships, all these trials, all this stuff that has been, been going on. I desire maturity. I desire to be in the presence of the Lord. I have not achieved it yet. I don't focus on those things. I focus on heaven. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. That's where his eyes are centered. It's not on the temporary. It's not on what's going on in the moment. We're focused on the end, the heavenly prize that awaits us. And so Paul tells us, hey, that's what we have to do. We've got to keep our eyes on the, on the end game. It's also true for Jesus. We talked about this last week in our core verse, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him was the idea that Jesus had that he was dying so that all of you, he went to the cross knowing that those actions and what he was doing was going to enable and give you and I the opportunity to be with him in eternity. And you and I need to live with this mindset, which is difficult, I know. That this home, this earth, this dwelling that we live in is temporary. And it is not our final destination. And I know more people that in the nationalism and how great our country is. How great our country was. And... and there's this teaching, this running theme throughout Scripture that it's not about this earth. This earth is temporary. As a matter of fact, Paul later on in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. 
by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I mean, he, he's telling them this whole section is about heaven. And it's about what awaits us. And he's like, your citizenship is not where you live. You, your citizenship, you can have dual citizenship. He goes, for you and I, it's not about that. Our citizenship as followers of Jesus Christ is not here. This is a very temporary. We are just visiting. Our citizenship is in heaven. And when it ha gets there, when heaven comes to earth, we will transform our lowly bodies to be like him. Let that thought seep into your mind for a moment. We're already citizens of this place called heaven. And upon that return, I love this image. Uh, upon his return and establishing his kingdom on earth, you and I are going to receive new bodies where we are transformed into his glorious image. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but Bob and Loretta have this like competition going on. Like, like it's not a stand up and I challenge you to this, but, but they, they, they have this competition to see who can outdo each other with the number of surgeries uh, that they've had and, and the number of like, you know, pieces that are manufactured, you know, around the world and placed in their body. And, and, and they, they keep going back and forth. And, you know, Bob just, just had a surgery. And so now he's, uh, he's got some neck issues and he's going to therapy, but we're praying it doesn't, we're praying it doesn't come to this, but there's, there's a chance that there might be another surgery. Well, Loretta fell the other day, and now, you know, so now she's like, oh my goodness, it, it may be, I may have something else going on in my future, and I mean, it's like, man, you, between you and Bob, I mean, what, good grief, you guys have this thing. And, and, and I think about heaven, and I think about this statement where Jesus says, I'm going to transform your body into my glorious image. You know, here's, here's a few examples of what awaits us in heaven beyond just new bodies. We're going to get perfect bodies, amen? I, I mean, no pain, all right? There's no issues. I mean, Amanda and I went to the gym today, all right? Like, we were there. And I was just doing this little simple step-up thing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. My left knee is just like, what? Where did this come from? Where did this happen? It doesn't hurt any other time. It's just like my left knee knows, Michael, you have no business being here. Like, just, just go on back to the house. And it's like, where did this pain come from? No pain. We're not going to have it. No, no issues of how the body functions. We are not going to have any sorrow. There will be no tears or death. There will be no pain. There will be no loneliness not going to be any temptation of sin. There will be no regret. Time will no longer be an issue. You know, we, we prioritize projects rather than people. We do this all the time. And I, and I love that Mark Moore brought that up, right? Like, I mean, I mean we, 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 we will... We don't value relationships. We value projects in the corporate world. And, and I've got to get these things done. Time's not going to be an issue. I, I love that heaven tells us that loved ones who are also believers have gone on and they're, they're there. They will be there and we will see these people. I mean, one, one of my biggest, ah, oh, I wish this could happen was that, that my, grand, my grandfathers could know my children better. 
And, and I love the thought that they're going to be there together one day. And, and here's the beautiful thing about this. You will be complete. Philippians tells us that. Paul says that in the very beginning. On the day of Jesus Christ's return, you will be complete. The work of this journey of becoming like Jesus will be finished. And James tells us that we're not going to lack anything. And here's the thing about this. As we listen to a list like that, and we can add more to it, and we can talk about the, how splendid uh, heaven is going to be, you and I in this current state can only imagine how amazing it's going to be. I mean, the healthiest among us has experienced pain within the body. We've all felt We've all cried. We've all had heart hurt. We've all experienced loneliness. We've given in to temptation and we've experienced the regret that comes with it. We've all stressed over time like, oh my gosh, I'm late. Or, oh my gosh, I wish I had more time. We all have loved ones that we miss. And in this current state, all we can do is imagine what heaven is going to be like. And Jesus makes the promise, I'm going to transform our lowly body to be like His glorious image. What more motivation do we need to run the life than that? That should be the perseverance. That should be what that should be what motivates us. Actually, there's another thing. As grand as all those benefits of heaven are, and I pray that there's another reason. That there's another reason that supersedes all of these that were mentioned. I, I mean, those are great things. The, the, those. Those all benefit us, but there's still something else that's even more grand, more spectacular than getting new bodies. There's something more spectacular than not dealing with regret or sorrow or loneliness. And all of those things have to do with this. Hopefully you want to go to heaven because He, Jesus, will be there. That's what Mark Moore says in his essay this week. I love this. He explains it so well. The one we've talked about, sung to, read of, and written for. He's waiting with outstretched arms in these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And then he says, I can't help but think that one glimpse of his person will make all our words irrelevant. He's so much grander than we've described, so much more glorious than we've imagined. Our impulse will be not to embrace him as a buddy, but to fall down at his feet, awestruck and overwhelmed in the majesty of the moment. I suspect that it will be, it will be only his immense love that draws us to our feet to receive his embrace. I was having a conversation this week with somebody about heaven. They wanted to know about all the gold and the dimensions of the New Jerusalem and everything. And 
And, and I was like, you know what, that, all those things are wonderful. They're in the Bible. I, I don't get caught up in, in all, the, in all the, the knowledge and the facts and what everything means. And they're like, what do you mean? How can you properly teach on heaven without understanding and knowing these things? And I'm like, you know what? You know what I really and truly want to care about and I'm training myself to care about when it comes to heaven? Is that Jesus will be there. And He's going to meet us with outstretched arms. And so it's with that thought that we go into our communion service. So if you will, take your take your little packets and go ahead and open them up. I love that on the night of the the Lord's Supper, so many different elements, and Jesus has already, and he's washed their feet, he's prayed with them, he's told Judas what a bad guy he is and what he's going to do. He, he's, he's in this moment now of teaching. Communion is behind them. The Lord's Supper is behind them. And He shares this teaching with them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But trust in God. And trust in Him. Because there is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And he, asks, he says this statement, you know the way to where I am going. He says this statement, I, Jesus, am the way. I'm the truth and the life. God, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for enduring the shame. God, I pray that we can focus on the joy that was before you and that was being reunited with God in heaven, with your Father. And so, God, I pray that as we persevere, that as we endure life, pray that we set our sights on heaven. You tell us, this earth, it's, it's got issues. This life that we live here, we're, we're going to have problems. But Father, I pray that we, we see these as opportunities to persevere, to grow. That, that the, the conflicts and the struggles that we have are all opportunities to reflect you, and to reflect the image of you. So let our motivation be on the fact that you have returned and you are preparing a place for us as we speak. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Father, for second chances. We love you and we pray these things in your son's holy name.